But the other thing is for a successful veterinarian is not only mentorship in veterinary, you know, skills, but it's mentorship in the business of agriculture. Welcome to the Sawyer Vet Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful, short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet, Now What? I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. This week, I welcome back Dr. Marissa Hake in part two of our conversation around mentorship in the food animal sector. So you don't miss out on anything, I'd recommend you hit pause and check out part one first. In this episode, Marissa and I tackle the enormous questions of what does the landscape of mentorship currently look like in food animal medicine, and where can it go from here? In this brainstorm session, Marissa and I discuss the importance of developing and strengthening the community of rural area practices. And if you are starting out in food animal medicine, this is an episode that will help set you up for success in your mentorship. So let's dive right into it. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of So You Are a Vet. Now what? We are welcoming back Dr. Marissa Hake today. And oh my goodness, if you heard part one, we left it on a cliffhanger, partly on purpose, partly not. But anyway, we're going to dive right into today's episode because we wanted to give it all the time that we can because we are talking about the food animal sector and specifically mentorship. What does that model look like? What can it look like? the attrition in food animal medicine. I'm going to stop rambling questions and just turn it over to you. So Marissa, kind of bring us back up to speed where we were last time. Uh, We talked about mentorship. We talked about having a mentor, having peer-to-peer mentorship. But right now in food animal medicine, like what are you seeing the landscape look like in regards to mentorship? Yeah. And I want to caveat, there's so many really incredible people working on this and looking into this. AABP's putting a ton of efforts into this. As I was telling you, the Farm Journal Foundation is working on a, a rural veterinary shortage as well. So as I'm speaking, I'm not speaking for a food animal as a whole. I'm just speaking for me because there's so many incredible people working on this. But, you know, from my perspective is, is mentorship, it needs to be well-rounded, like we talked about earlier, is it takes the community and the support there. It takes support and mentorship in within the clinic, right? It's going to be a multifactorial, but we'll stick with talking about, you know, the clinic support. And I think it's hard for rural practices, especially, you know, there's a lot of these kind of like one man bands out there, right? Looking for someone to come in and take over their clinic, but they don't know how to mentor. They're great veterinarians and they can communicate with their clients, but to bring in a young veterinarian and mentor them one-on-one, that takes a lot from the clinic owner or owners, and it takes a lot for the right person for that mentorship, right? So I think we need to really provide support for those types of clinics. One, whether it's collaborative. So I would love to see some of these smaller little rural clinics like come together and mentor, you know, veterinarian together for that area and collaborate a little bit more in that way. And I think, I know you've talked about it, is 
is how do we bridge that communication gap between mentor and mentee and expectations? And what does that look like? Because when you're graduating vet school, I know when I was graduating vet school, I was like, I just need a job. Yeah. (laughs) Someone hire me, you know? And when I graduated, I graduated in 2015. The landscape was a lot different. It was very competitive. And now I feel like there's a plethora of jobs if you wanted to go find anything, right? And so we were just scrapping for jobs back then. And we didn't really think about mentorship. We just said, we have a crap ton of student loans and I need a paycheck. So someone hire me, right? And, And that's that we see that because then we see people going into practice for a couple of years figuring out, I didn't really think this through. This wasn't a good fit for me. And now I'm leaving practice, right? And we see that, I know know you see it on Salon Animal as well. So being very clear on what mentorship would look like before you get hired. Sitting down with that mentor or mentors and saying, okay, what are our check-ins? What are milestones for me? What are my expectations? You know, my expectations coming out of vet school was like, I don't know how to manage a C-section. So that's your thing. Mm -hmm. I want to check in. I want to, within my first year, if it's a C-section, like I need a mentor there with me or my expectation is X, Y, and Z. You know, having those check-ins with your mentors and mentees are, I think are critically important to level set with both of you. I don't think people do that. I feel like it's a little bit of baptism by fire, which is okay. Some people thrive in that. I think my generation has some issues with baptism by fire because of the fact that, you know, we're already doing burnout. We have all of this empathy, right? And now we also have this aspect of social media. And I want to bring this up because I feel like this is a giant fear for new veterinarians coming out into practice. They have a fear of failure where the generation before didn't really have that as much because I felt like they got to practice in the land before social media and getting, you know, burned at the stake by a client. And I think all of us have that in the back of our mind of if I screw up and this goes viral, I'm going to impact my clinic. I could lose my license. I am terrified to do something wrong. I can't do anything wrong or else, you know, X, Y, Z will happen. I'm going to pause there and kind of see your thoughts. Do you have that same feeling coming out into practice and that same fear? I feel like there's definitely a level of it, but I feel that The social media impact is less about the failure and what someone's going to say, like on a Google review, and more on the fact that I can see what my peers are doing. And I can see the little tiny snapshot where everything looked perfect. And so Mm, I'm seeing that and comparing my day to day of ups and downs and goods and bads to that one little sliver that they're posting. And I'm like, well, that must be representative of their whole day, which well, you know is not true. You know that's not true, but still in your mind, that is how you perceive it. And so I feel like that is where more of at least my personal fears came from was the comparison of what the good from everyone else looks like to my day-to-day bad. So that would be my two cents on the subject. But I think there is still that level of the virality of our day-to-day and how fast things are processed. Yeah. So I think that comes is just is level setting with your mentor of, okay, this, it comes back to vulnerability, right? Oh, yeah. You know, this is what I'm afraid to do. This is why I'm afraid to screw up. I'm afraid to lose a client for you, or I'm afraid to get a bad review, or I'm afraid to have farmers talk about me in town as incompetent. I mean, that stuff is really significant in rural practice. And so, you know, how to support your mentee when they're coming out. And I think too, went back to your comment about female veterinarians is, am I going to be backed up if I show up and they say, I don't want a female veterinarian? Is my clinic going to back me up? Or are they just going to say, okay, we'll come out? 
And we do have a lot of clinics that say, you get whatever veterinarian we send you. All of these are competent and they back up their female veterinarians. And then it's a non-issue because those clients know. So it's kind of like, hey, what are we going to do if this situation arises? And also what sort of milestones are we going to have within the first couple of years that we can kind of level set? Am I getting the mentorship I need or am I not? And it's such an individual thing though. You know what I mean? Like some people are okay with going out and like I said, baptism by fire. And it's okay if you communicate that. But if not, we need, you need to be communicating that with your mentee, mentor, mentor. Yeah. Are you a new or recent veterinary graduate? If so, listen up. My course, So Your Vet, Now What? has been put together specifically for you. We focus on the non-clinical skills. Don't tune out. This is not as dull as it sounds, I promise you. In fact, almost every career problem that people face are due to not having well-developed non-clinical skills. The skills that I'm talking about are things like client communication, so you have great relationships with clients. Emotional intelligence, so you've got great relationships with your teammates. Effective negotiation skills, so you can get paid what you are worth. Management of imposter syndrome and how to build formidable resilience. They're not just skills, they are prerequisites vital for success in financial and emotional well-being. This course serves as an essential stepping stone to your success. So let's take the leap together. I will be your mentor as we go through 12 modules helping you transition from being a student to being a fully rounded professional. Head to www.drdavenickel.com forward slash S-Y-A-V dash class to learn more. Now back to the show. <laughs> no, 100%. Like it comes down to communication. Like when you are interviewing, when you're talking through your contract, and I don't know, maybe this, I don't know if this would be a thing in Food Animal, but putting in a mentorship clause in your contract potentially that says, this is the structure that we are going to follow for the next three months, maybe. And these are the number of check ins we're going to do. So that way you have something on both parties to hold accountable for each other. And like you mentioned in the beginning, like I fully understand like the strain that goes on the practice owner, on the mentor, because like you said, some of them are one-man bands. It is a lot mm-hmm. to take on a new grad financially, time-wise, emotionally <laughs> to take on a new grad, <laughs> yeah. uh, to field all those calls all the time at any hour of the day. And I love your idea of how do we bring together these collection of rural practices Granted, I understand it's hard with the distance they probably are from each other. But even if there is a like once a week video session where they sit down as peer to peer in a way, and they have like one of the practice owners sits down and gives a talk on C-sections or something like that. That way they're getting a little bit of CE, but also their community. They can ask the questions that they're having and their peers can say, yeah, no, I'm dealing with that too. Or yeah, I was afraid of that too. And so that way they can grow their confidence, but then they're also seeing these other people that are in the same stage of their career and building that confidence and that sense of community that you, as you mentioned, that you were kind of lacking in rural animal practice. So I absolutely love that idea. I think that would be a really cool thing to start seeing. And how do you think we would start implementing that? That's a great question. That's a good question for AAVP. So they're already doing some things like this to help with mentorship. So kind of finding people, basically veterinarians who have similar practice areas or interests and pairing them up with mentees across the country. And I think that's a great first step. 
so that they have a resource not in their practice area, but they could ask questions and, and bounce things off of. And I think that's, I love that kind of formal. You signed up to be nice, you know, to yeah. mentor me. So <laughs> I'm going to use this resource. But also looking at too, I, I think one thing that's really cool that the Farm Foundation is doing is they're looking at actual resources for those veterinarians within the community. So things like grants and things like that to keep veterinary clinics in those communities. And so they're actually looking at like a community vet clinic where they have all of the equipment and tools that a vet would need. And maybe if there's a new veterinarian in there every three years, that's okay. But there's also there's that resource there within the community. So I thought that was kind of cool. So they're looking at some of those pilots in, in, you know, really rural areas. And then I think too is, like I said, I think the mentorship within the clinic is important, but I think the structure outside of the vet clinic is maybe even more important of how do we integrate these young veterinarians into our communities? How do we get them the support and, you know, friendship and, you know, something to go home to, because that's ultimately what's going to keep them in those communities and keep them in practice, really. And so sometimes they talk about, well, we need to start getting people younger. We need to start getting them in their own hometowns, mentoring them, getting them into vet school and having them come back to their hometowns. And I completely agree with that. I think that's a small portion of what we need to do. But the reality is in food animal medicine is we don't have enough farms. We don't have enough small communities. We have to recruit from outside of ag. And I've said this before, less than 2% of the U.S. population is involved with agriculture. So if we think that we're going to get all of our food animal veterinarians from within, that's just not going to happen. And that's something that I often hear from vet students coming out and they say, I didn't grow up on a farm. I love pigs and I want to do this or I love cows and I want to do this. I feel like I'm at a disadvantage because I didn't grow up in agriculture. And I call BS on that because I think people coming from the outside have a different perspective than us that grew up in agriculture and just kind of have, you know, we have blinders on for some things and people coming in with fresh ideas and a and a perspective of what our consumers are actually thinking. We have to remember that in food animal medicine, we have consumers that consume what we're raising. Yep. And so, uh, you know, getting support for those types of students who are coming out and saying, okay, well, we know you didn't grow up on a farm, but we're going to help make sure that you feel confident in that area as well. Because I think that's part of the other mentorship. And I know I'm rambling. I apologize. No, no, this my is good. Is this like, is good. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> it's exactly like, how my brain all, operates too. All over the place. But the other thing is for a successful veterinarian is not only mentorship in veterinary, you know, skills, but it's mentorship in the business of agriculture, right? So whether it's the dairy business or the beef business or the pork business or the hog business, whatever, or um, poultry business, also, you know, the seasonality of agriculture and what's going on and, and why, you know, we calve here and, you know, uh, wean then and why they're not calling you during harvest season, you know, like yeah. just understanding the business is so incredibly important for success within rural practice as well. And so I think we need a little bit more of that, whether it's business training, learning Spanish, nutrition training. So just understanding the entirety of the business is what makes, you know, the most successful veterinarians good. And so we need to be providing them with resources as well. 
There are so many levels to this, which I, as much as your brain was like, ding, 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 I was like, this is the kind of conversation that needs to start happening, or at least it is happening, thankfully, as you mentioned. But this is only like step one. Like there are so many more conversations that are going to be happening so that we can grow mentorship within the agricultural space. I'm not even just going to say food animal, but just agricultural space. Because again, like you have the new grads that are coming in all fresh eyed and, and ready. And you have um, needing to keep them in the profession, but then also grow their understanding. Because like you said, a lot of them aren't coming from an agricultural background. So growing their understanding, raising them up so that they can then raise up the next generation of veterinarians and kind of keep that whole process going. So like I said, there's so many levels that we're just touching on like a little tiny drop in the bucket of everything. (laughs) But honestly, this has opened my eyes so much to what is going on in your space. I'd only seen like, again, little glimpses through your social media, which I highly recommend everyone goes and checks out. There's so much fun that happens there. Honestly, sometimes I just go and look at it because I'm like, let's go see what Marissa's up to. And then I have a good laugh because it just looks looks fun. It's amazing I have a job sometimes. <laughs> like, question. <laughs> it's great. And so, um, yeah, go and checking out um, social media. And like I said, like you're just, you're an incredible speaker. You're so much fun to chat with. And that's such a wealth of knowledge that's come from just what I've learned today and what I'm continuing to learn. So I know if people have questions or if there's students who are like, hey, I actually am looking for a mentor in food animal and I don't know what to do. Like I know they could probably reach out to you and you can help guide them in the direction of at least to the next person they need to talk to. Because again, we, if you're in food animal, we want you to be happy where you are and hopefully stay in this profession. So I will stop rambling there. And I'll say thank you once again, Marissa, for coming and joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, you guys. Till next week. See ya. So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, So Your Vet Now What? or Non-Clinical Skills Training Class of the same name. Until next time, take care. (laughs) 